please bow your heads and pray with me. Our Father in heaven, praise be to your holy name. And thank you for your true and powerful word. Especially as we open the book of Galatians. Oh, how glorious it has been to meditate on the words of your servant Paul there. Father, this recording has been a challenge and it has caused me to lean even more into you and your power. And so, Father, I ask right now that you truly would reign over this lecture, that you, God, would crucify my flesh and empower me by your Holy Spirit to teach this passage in a way that sanctifies your people and glorifies your name. This I ask in the name above all names, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Have you ever experienced something so significant, so monumental, that it profoundly changed you? Something that changed the course of your life change the way that you fundamentally think, or change the very essence of who you are. We often refer to such events as turning points, milestones like graduation, marriage, the birth of a child, or a tragic loss are all life-changing turning points. Just since the year 2000, there have been quite a few significant monumental events in our country. 9-11-2001, a terrorist attack changed everything about how we live, think, and travel in America. It was most definitely a significant, monumental turning point. In 2004, Google redefined how we search the internet. That changed everything about how we search for and receive information. Do any of you remember life before Google? Life without information on everything right at your fingertips. That was a significant, monumental turning point. Then there's 2020. Can you think of any turning points in the first nine months of 2020? COVID-19 has changed everything about how we live, think, and travel, even to the grocery store. Talk about a significant, monumental turning point. But the ultimate turning point in all human history is captured in one name, Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an historical fact that has changed the course of history as well as individual lives. Has this truth changed your life? The implications of the resurrection are stunning. Christ's resurrection proves his authority over life, death, sin, and Satan is absolute. His resurrection was not only a victory over death, it was a victory over sin, a victory over evil. That is absolute authority. And that authority leads us to one unavoidable conclusion. He has absolute authority over you and me. He is our rightful Lord and Master. He is the sovereign ruler over every living, breathing human being, whether we acknowledge his authority or not. As we learned in our lesson last week, he is the King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. The Apostle Paul introduces his letter to the Galatian church by first highlighting the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it changes everything. That is the truth that emerges in this brief passage. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. We will look at that in our two divisions, Resurrection Power and Resurrection Plus. So our first division is Resurrection Power, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now I'll stop there. In the first half of verse 1, Paul greets his recipients uh, of his letter by first identifying himself as the author. This was a traditional way of opening a letter in ancient times. He does more than give his name, though. He identifies the basis of his authority. He clearly states that he is an apostle. The word apostle most literally means an emissary, from the Greek word which translates to one who is sent off. In the Bible, the apostles are the 12 chief disciples of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who walked with Jesus, were taught by Jesus, and had personally witnessed his crucifixion, his post-resurrection appearances, and his ascension. Paul was not one of these 12 disciples. In fact, he was quite the opposite of a disciple of Jesus Christ. He persecuted the followers of Jesus. Paul is what I call a super Jew, a Pharisee among Pharisees. This means he was an ultra-legalistic Pharisee, a religious leader named Saul until a dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus changed everything. Acts chapter 9 recounts his conversion from legal eagle to sinner saved by grace. You had an opportunity to read about Paul's conversion in your lesson this week. It is here that Paul received God's commission to serve as an apostle to the Gentiles. In Acts 9, 15 through 17, Jesus called Ananias, one of his followers, to go and lay hands on Paul's blind eyes. Ananias knew of Paul's reputation for persecuting Christians. He was afraid, so Jesus reassured him, saying, He, meaning Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul is an authentic, commissioned-by-God apostle of Jesus Christ. This authentic apostle is the one writing to the Galatian church about legalism. There's just no better expert than Paul on legalism. How well he knew that his deliverance from sin was by grace and grace alone. Paul had done nothing to earn or deserve his salvation when he was on that road to Damascus. He had done absolutely nothing to earn or deserve his salvation. He received it by grace alone. Our deliverance from sin requires grace as well. 
the grace of a resurrected Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. In the second half of verse 1, Paul says that he was saved and commissioned as an apostle by God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Now the pronoun him refers to Jesus. So this, re this phrase refers to Christ's resurrection. He is the one God the Father raised from the dead. Christianity stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His cross and all his perfect saving work are significant only through the lens of the resurrection. The events of the resurrection are nothing short of supernatural, spectacular, and stupendous. One undeniable truth changed the course of history. What is that truth? The sealed, guarded tomb containing the very dead body of Jesus Christ was empty. Empty. As a doctrine, the resurrection is defined as a miraculous divine act involving all three persons of the Godhead. It was not just a revival of Jesus' broken physical body as if someone performed CPR on him and brought him back to life. No, it was a complete transformation of Jesus' humanity that enabled him to appear, vanish, and move unseen from one location to another. Scripture records hundreds of witnesses to his post-resurrection appearances. The creative renewing of his body became the body that is now fully glorified and deathless. That means that Jesus will never die again. The Son of God in heaven lives in and through his resurrected body and will do so forever. This truth has a profound and eternal effect on us. Our own hope of resurrection is not just a future event that occurs when we physically die and are transported into heaven. Its impact is meant for today. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead raises us from the dead. First, spiritually. Then, physically. Every believer must understand the doctrine of resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ not only changed the course of history, it empowered his disciples to do the same because they were infused with the power of the God who raises the dead to life. This is true for you and me today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ empowers his disciples. That's the first truth that I want you to remember is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ empowers his disciples. What significant and monumental change has the fact of Christ's resurrection made in you? What in your way of living and thinking most reflects that you are filled with resurrection power? How are you following Jesus? How are you fulfilling his kingdom purposes in his power? 
The Bible teaches that all who die to sin by receiving Jesus Christ by grace through faith are immediately raised to new life and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He indwells or lives in his people. Take a moment and think about that. God Almighty, the one who spoke the universe into being, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, he and his power lives in you, lives in me. You and I as believers have resurrection power living in us. Paul relied on that power. In 2 Corinthians chapters 9 through 11, we read about how Paul struggled with a thorn that most scholars believe was a physical malady. Paul prayed to God and he asked him repeatedly to remove this thorn. Instead, God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Like Paul, you and I can say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? How? Because we have resurrection power. When we remember that the resurrection of Jesus Christ empowers his disciples, it gives us great peace and confidence to serve him and his kingdom. That was the secret to Paul's peace and confidence as he served God in his far-reaching and powerful ministry despite great hardship and much persecution. And when Paul walked this earth, he was not alone. He was not the only one raised to new life in Christ. In verse 2, he makes quick note of all the brothers who were with him. This is the body of Christ. They were with Paul, and they were in agreement with what Paul was writing to the churches of Galatia. They concurred with the gospel message he preached to them, because it is the full, true gospel message. Paul makes it clear that the gospel is not about works. It is about grace. It is not just about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is about the cross of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is made up of these two great saving events, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what Paul begins with in his letter to the Galatians. He refers to the resurrection in verse 1. Now, he puts the cross of Christ side by side with his resurrection. The true gospel message is about the cross plus the empty tomb. And this is the only plus allowed in the gospel. Our second division is resurrection plus Galatians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. These three short verses are packed with doctrine vital to the Christian faith. Grace, peace, God the Father, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who gave himself for our sins. I mean, that right there, that's a doctrine of substitution. And it points to the attribute of the Lamb of God. Jesus, the one who lived the perfect life in perfect obedience to every one of his Father's commands. He lived the life that we cannot and will not live. He did this to deliver us from the present evil age. He is our deliverer. That's the deity or the attribute of God you studied in our lesson this week. He delivers us from things like sin, the way of evil, the power of evil, the law, the body of death, and God's coming wrath. Sometimes, God the Father is the agent of deliverance. At other times, Jesus is the agent of deliverance, like Paul says he is in verse 3. He delivers us from our sins, and he does it according to the will of the Father. That's another altogether deep, deep doctrine, the will of God. We cannot possibly cover all the doctrines listed here in one lesson. Our aim today is to discover how the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. But to be raised from the dead, he had to die. Verse 4 tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ died. He gave himself for our sins. You see, Jesus did not die of natural causes, or as the result of a tragic accident, or because of a terminal disease. No, he did not even die at the hands of wicked men. Scripture teaches us that on the cross, Jesus voluntarily gave himself for our sins. That's why Paul says he gave himself for our sins. He was the substitutionary atoning sacrifice for our sin. Now that is a mouthful that means that Jesus took all our sin, past, present, and future, upon himself, then sacrificed himself on the cross, dying the death that we deserve to die for our sin. The Bible teaches that the penalty of sin for any sin is death. In the Old Testament, God instituted a system of proper sacrifices to atone or pay for sins. All this pointed to Jesus Christ and his future all-sufficient sacrifice for our sin. That is why in John 1.29, when John the Baptist sees Jesus approaching, he proclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus gave himself for our sins as a gift of grace. Paul repeatedly returns to the theme of grace in his letter to the Galatians because grace alone is the remedy to a works-based salvation that was being taught by the false teachers. Though we all fall short of the glory of God, though we are helpless and hopeless in our sin, sin uh, has us dead. There's nothing left in us. We're spiritually dead. Yet Jesus took our place. He went to the cross to pay the penalty of death for our sin. Sin which separates us from a holy God. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His atoning sacrifice 
covers all who receive him by grace through faith with his glorious righteousness. Our imperfections are covered by his perfection. Because we are robed in his righteousness, his perfection, we are at peace with God. Receive Paul's words in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 also gives the reason that Jesus gave himself for our sins. It says to deliver us from the present evil age. Jesus is our deliverer. Throughout scripture, God is revealed as a deliverer of his people. He is our rock, our fortress, our help, our strong tower. What powerful images. Our almighty God delivers us from sin, evil, and death through the death of his son on the cross, plus his resurrection from the dead. Do you see how the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything? He died on the cross for our sins, but God, but God, God the Father raised him from the dead. Each of the four Gospels deals with the resurrection. None describe how it happened. However, some things are made abundantly clear. First, the tomb was empty. Second, the disciples were slow to believe that the resurrection had happened, even though Jesus had told them many times that it would happen. And third, women are prominent in the first appearances of the risen Jesus. Each gospel has something that does not appear in the others. The fullest picture of the re resurrection surfaces only as we read all four gospels. For example, in Matthew's gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ had multiple witnesses. Angels showed Mary Magdalene and Mary evidence of the resurrection. The women later saw, heard, and touched the risen Jesus. Guards saw the angel descend and roll back the stone. And the disciples met the risen Jesus in Galilee. Matthew also records that the resurrection of Jesus Christ produced different reactions in the eyewitnesses. The women experienced both fear and joy, and they worshipped him. The guards experienced abject terror, so much so that they became like dead men. Still, they revived themselves enough to accept the bribe of the religious leaders and lie about what had happened. The disciples worshipped, though some doubted. They could not wrap their minds around this phenomenal event. You and I have the benefit of centuries of hindsight and historical perspective. For us, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact of history that has changed the course of individual lives and history. Has this truth changed your life. When you and I die to sin by faith in Jesus's atoning death on the cross, we too are raised to new life in Christ. We are delivered from sin, evil, and death. Though they are still present and wreaking havoc in this world, 
They truly have no power over us. None. You and I have been liberated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ plus the cross. That is the message of the gospel. When we believe this is true, we are saved from sin and filled with resurrection power. Is this the gospel you received? The true gospel of Jesus Christ? If not, I want you to listen to the gospel from the very lips of Jesus. In Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. To that, the Apostle John adds the Christian statement of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. If you need more information about Christ's resurrection, read and reread Paul's rich teaching on the resurrection of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Meditate on its truths. Write some down. Pray them back to God with a song of praise. The gospel message is clear. The resurrection of Jesus Christ plus his death on the cross delivers us from sin, evil, and death. Let me repeat that. It's our second truth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ plus his death on the cross delivers us from sin, evil, and death. How complete is the gospel message that you preach to yourself? Do you elevate the importance of Christ's cross over the importance of his resurrection, or vice versa? Both the cross and the resurrection are significant, monumental, and necessary elements of the gospel message. Christ's death on the cross was a significant, monumental turning point in human history. Without his death, there would be no atoning sacrifice for our sins. We would remain dead in our sins. But we cannot leave him dead on the cross. He's not there. He rose from the dead to triumph over sin, evil, and death. Christ's resurrection from the dead after three days in the tomb was a significant, monumental turning point in human history. Without the resurrection, there's no victory. There's no hope. We are left dead in our sins and separated from our holy God. The gospel is the atoning death plus the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. This true gospel message declares that all who receive Jesus Christ by grace through faith triumph with him in his triumph over sin, evil, and death. His victory is our victory. Preach that gospel to your soul. The resurrection of Jesus Christ plus his death on the cross delivers us from sin, evil, and death. Truly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. The Apostle Paul punctuates this good news in verse 5, ending the introduction to his letter by saying, Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
has the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ been a significant, monumental turning point in your life? What profound effects has he had on your life? What assurance do you have that you have received Jesus by grace through faith? Has he delivered you from the power of sin? How are you triumphing over sin each day to live and love more and more like Jesus? Our friend Bob Rohn recently compiled a great list of the significant monumental effects of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says that first, Christ's resurrection proves he is God. Christ demonstrated his identity and his deity by fulfilling Old Testament prophecies of his death and his rising from the grave. When you and I are raised with Jesus, our true life, our identity, citizenship, destiny, and value is in him. We are born again to a living hope. We now enjoy personal fellowship with him and him with us always. Additionally, Rome says that Christ's resurrection guarantees our forgiveness, guarantees our justification, that is our pardon and acceptance by God, guarantees that we were already living a new way of thinking, desiring, and behaving. Guarantees our place with him in paradise. Guarantees that Satan is defeated. And guarantees that our service to and for Jesus is never pointless or useless. Christ's resurrection guarantees that our perishable body will be raised imperishable. Our dishonorable body will be raised in glory. Our weak body will be raised in power. And our natural body will be raised as a spiritual body. Truly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Has it changed you? And how is it changing you? Would you please pray with me? O righteous God, King of kings and Lord of lords, you are our mighty deliverer, the all-powerful, all-knowing God who has triumphed over sin, evil, and death. Oh, how we praise you for sending your Son as the perfect Lamb of God to pay the penalty of death for our sins. We thank you, loving Father, for raising us to new life in him. May we never cease to worship you and serve you with the resurrection power that you fill us with. Show us, Holy Spirit. Guide us. Give us your wisdom to live, think, and serve empowered by you. This we ask in the precious and powerful name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.